Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back, and this week we examine the wreckage of the game week just gone, as Kun Blanks, Sanchez and Kane are embroiled in pen palavers, and Salah is the toast of the town, showing he's the one which should jam our captaincy pick on as a default. I'm joined by Nick as always, and also by a long-term friend of the pod, uh, Simon, or at FPL Connect on Twitter, and at fplconnect.blog. So Simon, hello, welcome to the pod. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the good people, telling us a little about yourself and uh, a little bit about your relationship with FPL. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be doing this with you, so I appreciate you inviting me to take part. Uh, yeah, so just a bit about who I am. Um, I've created um, fplconnect.blog and obviously the Twitter account that runs alongside that. Basically, most of what you see on fplconnect.blog in terms of the content is done by myself. I also run the Twitter account. That's just mainly me. Uh, But of course, I have a little team that runs uh, in behind that as well. Uh, So FPL Aussie is um, one of uh, of my uh, writers that helps me with the press conference article on the Friday. I also have uh, Gaz and Pilko who do a bit for me in terms of content and ideas. They're, they're on the team as well. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing was created uh, because we had an idea at the end of last, last year. Basically, we identified a problem um, and also we, we felt that we could enhance the overall FBL experience. Uh, and, but we felt that we had the idea a little bit too late. And so what we said was, you know what, right, we're a bit too late. We want to do this properly. So let's launch again for next season. And uh, But we also said, well, what, what could we do in the meantime? So obviously, FPL Connect was born. We thought it's a great opportunity to um, just basically um, say hi to the FPL community, introduce a bit about who we are. And uh, yeah, and just, you know, because the articles are going to be a part of our new website. And um, so we wanted to basically say, hi, this is who we are. And this is the type of content and um, work that you can expect from us in the future. So, yeah, that's and um, yeah. So the, we've got this new website coming. Um, obviously, I was hoping to be in a position today to talk a little bit more about that. But unfortunately, we've been put back in our schedule. Um, and so I can't divulge um, too much more than that, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, the ball's rolling finally. It's it's looking very likely to happen, and uh, we're really excited about the new the new website, and that'll be launched uh, hopefully in the new in, for the new season. Uh, so yeah, just quickly a bit about my relationship with FBL. I've been playing for nine years. This is my ninth season, um, but yeah, it's only really been the last two years where I've become uh, more of a geek and an addict, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, so last year I did quite well. Um, I've, I was finished just seven points outside the top 10K, so I was very close to getting inside there. And I set myself a target for this year to uh, to break that and get inside the top 10K. But as you guys well know, that hasn't gone very well. That's not gone to plan <laughs> yeah, at all. But yeah, I've got some time left this year to uh, to have a bit of a run at it and make, basically have some fun and just try and climb those ranks and hopefully see see where it goes. But it's not been well. It's not been a good one for me. Yeah, thanks, Simon. It's, it's great to have you on the on the show today. Um, 
And thanks for the introduction there. Um, as usual, just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogottheassist.com. And if you enjoy the pods, make sure to follow us, subscribe and tell your friends. Yep. Thanks, Nick. And welcome once more to you, Simon. So this week, we're going to focus in on players a little bit and uh, two distinct categories of player at that. We'll first discuss season keepers and what makes players into that kind of category of the player you're not going to want to get rid of before going on to pinpoint some key differentials per position that can get you climbing in those ranks as we get towards the running. We'll do our weekly features, including a speaker's corner from Simon on his very cool captaincy metric, and then we'll take your questions at the end. Yep, and thanks for all the questions, guys. So go on then, Simon. How, how was your game week? It was a bit of a horrible game week for us, but how did you do? Um, yeah, I got I got a meet well a very average forty eight points. Um, but I think the the what makes mine a little bit worse than probably most is that I activated my wild card for this one. Um, yeah, I've just I've been like I said, it's not been a good year for me, and just thought I'd I'd go for it and try and, and try and use this sort of time and just after the January transfer window, where obviously we've got um, Sanchez who's coming to United and and Aubameyang as well at Arsenal, both exciting and you know, potentially huge differential pick. So I've so I've played my wild card and I brought in obviously Sanchez and it was based around him and, and captained him. And um yeah, it, but it obviously missed that penalty. Had he had just scored that penalty, it would have probably been a lot better. But yeah, it was a shame. And yeah, I also had Jones and Gomez who both decided not to show up and um and Milivojevic on the bench who just Oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a few people that had that, but I had that as well. So yeah, and obviously Harry Kane, who everyone else has got missed the penalty. It was a it was a bad week for me again. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm well settled from this point going forward. Anyway, yeah, you got to you got to expect that, haven't you? After doing the wild card, half the wild cards I see like they don't end up doing too well on the first week, but the dividends are reaped afterwards. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes you do get get someone who wild cards into an eighty or ninety, but that, that's kind of very unlikely, I think. Anyway, uh, so this week for me, very similar to you actually, Simon, as you know. Um, so I also captain Sanchez, brought him in, and it was the case that it was just one penalty miss away from making it a good game week. Um, Alonso obviously didn't play, which put a nail in the coffin of my game week because it meant that my defensive shambles really came to the fore. So I've got uh, Ogbonna with one, Dunk with one, and, and Kenny zero as my three defenders. Uh, Chilwell, who I brought in, didn't actually play uh, because Fuchs played instead. Um, luckily, that wasn't a clean sheet, so I didn't feel too badly. Um, and also, luckily, I had De Gea, who got the only clean sheet this week, which is the, the first time there's only one clean sheet, I think, since game week 11 last year, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, other than that, I had Slide, Kane, and uh, yeah, that, that was basically it for me. So 45 minus four, a little, bit of a, a little bit of a red arrow. I'm basically oscillating between 200k and 250k at the moment. I would say I'm annoyed, but I can't be because at the end of the day, I had a really bad start to the season, and now I'm kind of in mediocrity. Uh, I kind of prefer this than, than doing really badly overall. Uh, what about you, Nick? How did you do? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty bad for me as well. 40 points. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, players not starting. Jones didn't play at all. So I had Kenny come on for zero points. Alonso didn't play. So that's Zanka coming on for one point. Oh. Pogba didn't start. So that was a one point. Oh, um, Sterling captain and uh, De Bruyne, but no. Just eight points against Burnley from those guys in total, including the captain pick. So no points there. 
Um, I subbed. I also transferred out Dominic Calvert Lewin for Jordan Ayew. Um, oh, no. Calvert Lewin went and scored, of course. So <laughs> it, was just, it was just a horrendous game week. Salah was like my only saving grace, I guess, and just yeah, forty points in total. Um, down now to fifteen k in in overall rank. So still quite still up there, but you know it's it's been uh, three red arrows in a row. So a bit disappointed again. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, again, it's it's all relative, isn't it? Um, like compared to you, I'm no Superman, but you seem to have taken a little bit of a hit with that forty. So hopefully, it'll improve going forward. And uh, you mentioned Salah. Uh, I think that kind of brings us on quite nicely to our first theme today, which is about season keepers. And um, I think that with Salah popping up yet again in a big game, it's worth talking about these guys and. Uh, what makes a season keeper? And I'm thinking kind of Salah, obviously. I'm thinking Kane. I'm thinking maybe Alonso as well. What kind of considerations do we have around these guys? Simon, do you want to, do you want to start us off on this uh, topic? Yeah, sure. Um, if I if I go with Salah and, and Kane, I think that those two, that I think, as you say, the standouts. Obviously, Kane's a bit easier because, you know, we've had Kane for the last two or three seasons, is it now, where he's consecutive? How many seasons? That's three seasons where he's scored um you know plus 20 goals so that's a big factor in a season keeper i think is is that history that they have um and you know the fact that he's he's not just consistently performed but he's actually getting better and this year he's already hit what is it you know, 22 it is isn't it so for me it's i think it's about their ability to just perform all the time consistently in big games but with with kane it's he hasn't really been reliable has he? he's for a lot of the season it's been you either sort of get that explosion or you get nothing whatsoever. Whereas Salah, he's he's got a nice blend really of absolutely smashing it or he gets if even if he doesn't hit a big hole, he still sort of gives you something. So I think reliable and previous history, I think, play a big part in uh, how we identify season keepers. Totally, um, I totally agree with you, Um time and I think for me there's been three season keepers and I've banged on about it a little bit in in other pods before but um, um, so I've had a Salah, a Kane and Alonso since the start of the season um, and all three of those guys have really rewarded me just keeping them all season has really helped me achieve the rank that I'm at now I think um, Salah if we start with him he's definitely a, a season keeper he's just a, a brilliant player to watch and and just shows with another world-class display this weekend and 15-point return. What um, what interests me about Salah in, in particular this season is he's now on 204 points from 21 goals and eight assists. So there's only 25 players in the game who he hasn't scored more than double the FPL points. He's um, 39 points ahead of his closest rival in points, which is Raheem Sterling, and he looks well set to um, smash um, Alexis Sanchez's record from last season and uh, Riyad Mahrez. So it's going to be one of the highest, uh, if he continues in this vein of form, it's going to be one of the highest um, in FPL returns we've we've seen ever in the game. Um, Riyad Mahrez in his breakthrough season, for instance, got, um, where I think he was the top scorer that season, got 20, 240 points, which is only um, 36 points that Salah needs now to to take him over with about... <laughs> what many games left um, we're on yeah we're on game week 27 so he's still got like 12 games essentially so he's he's going to more than smash it Kane as well I think he's been essential for me this season and um I just don't understand so I know that some people talk about the, the Kane exit too and how they're they're winning a little bit but you know I don't understand the point of setting really when you're going to need him back in after the Arsenal game he's got Palace 
Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Newcastle. So you're going to be mad to not have him for those games. I think he's essential as well. I think we talked a lot about his, his shooting stats, but 146 shots in total um, so far this season, which is uh, 65 more shots than any other forwards. And um, Alonso, I think we're going to talk about Chelsea a little bit later, so maybe I'll, I'll defer him for later. But I think he's another season keeper as well. Yeah, um, I think we'll definitely come on to Alonso or Alongo, as it may be later on. Um, for, for me, um, I, I completely agree with both of you, unsurprisingly. Uh, the first thing is obviously player form. There's only an elite band of players, I think, capable of consistent outputs, and Salah and Kane definitely up there, despite Kane kind of uh, delivering in peaks and troughs. Um, I think another kind of one to add to the list of sacred hearts is uh, David De Gea on 135 points now. And he's just been delivering me since after the kind of initial wobble, consistent returns week in, week out. And he's really taken a lot of the kind of the worries about the United defence and covering that and having the right keeper completely out off the off the table for me. So I, I think maybe he, for me, would be another one I'd pop in and, you know, a premium keeper might be something I'd go with next year as well. So you've got player form. I think sell value is really important for season keepers as well. So Salah, Nick, you mentioned you got him in at the start of the season at nine, nine million. You'd literally only sell him now if he was injured and, and ruled out for a long time um, because you, you'd lose so much money. I think you'd lose 0.6, 0.7, right, if you sold him? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we saw some people. Cause he, he, I think he missed a game or two, didn't he, with a slight injury and then people sold him and then he instantly came back with a with a return and it's just like, well, that's a sort of 0.6 million down the drain if I'd have sold him at that point. So I just kind of had yeah. to bench him. Yeah, you couldn't do it, could you? And then finally, it's, it's fixtures. So obviously... You got you got to hope this player is more or less fixture proof, but seeing some kind of potential oases for output on the horizon, I think, is key. And if player form and fixtures start to fall away together, I think it is time to sell. Um, but some of these guys um, are they're at the very bottom of my list for sales. And I think I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, like the idea of a core of your team. And there's players who are movable and blows who are basically you know like grayed out effectively when you're considering transfers and. Thinking about that core of having you know, Salah Kane and De Gea slash Alonso, adding a player like Sterling and a player like Firmino in, I, I think that that's kind of a good way of, of visualising your team, having those guys kind of round the edges. Yeah, similar to you, I think when generally structuring a team, I think obviously a lot of us go for the 3-4-3 three, three at the beginning of the season. So yeah, for me, I, I sort of go for... Two, three, two, as it were. You know, in each, yeah, in each position, I'd say you have one key premium player, and I suppose that's probably what we're talking about here in terms of a season keeper—the one that you would hope would last, or you, what, what you envision to last the entirety of the season. So for me, and like we just talked about, Kane, Salah, and Alonso—the three in those three different categories that you'd have across, you'd hope to have across the entire season. So, so yeah, that that's generally how I how I tend to structure things when I when I um, build my team at the beginning and and yeah I agree I agree with you there yeah I think that I think that sounds good I think that's definitely how I, how I start out Nick there's a lot of background noise on your end mate yes sir yeah are you, are you like uh, playing Varula or something <laughs> no <laughs> or like uh, I'll just show move slightly hold on yeah, okay, I can hear uh, It's not too bad, but is it my phone? Might be my phone. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. If it keeps going, I think it's all, it's all right during Simon's bit, but if it keeps going uh, throughout the pod, I think it will annoy people. Okay. Um, all right, uh, all right. Hang on. What did you say? Yeah, you said you said three, two, three. All right, three, two, one. 
Yeah, I think yeah, I agree with that, Simon. Like the the three two two or something like that at the start, and then building your team around those kind of key players is the starting point, isn't it? And then you kind of develop from there. And I think just kind of a final point on this before we move on is just about uh, Salah at the moment. I mean, he is making a very strong case to be auto captained every week, as I said right at the top. And I still don't really know why I haven't captained him. It, it kind of just shows what a terrible FPL manager I am. Like I wrote a little that little comparator on Kane v Salah a little while ago and pointed out that Kane had the higher ceiling, Salah had the higher floor. And it's really continued. The stats have continued to be unbelievable for Salah. So he's only blanked in six out of 25 games, which includes the Swansea game, of course. 24% of his games, whereas Kane has blanked in 52% still. He's on 8.16 points per game, which is obviously ridiculous. 16 points a game, he'd have returned you on average um, versus just 6.44 for Kane, or just, but relatively. I think it's got to the point now with the 56.6% overall ownership that there's perhaps a question that we should probably captain him every week. So that's 100% effective ownership. And every time he does something, he seems to create red arrows left, right and centre for people who don't actually own him. But yeah, I think kind of we broadly agreed on, on those things. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Um, let's move on uh, to the differentials after having that discussion about season keepers, where we'll each be picking three uh, differentials per position after having a chat about how we do differentials and how we run our team based on the amount of differentials that we've got. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So I think let's move on to now we've got those kind of season keepers in our mind. Uh, the idea of differentials and differential picks. So I've got to mention this is Marco Arlotti's question. Uh, he did. He asked us to do this in exchange for that amazing Sanchez graphic at the end of last week. We're going to talk about defence, midfield and strikers and three kind of differentials we've picked out per position. I think what might be a good idea is to first talk about differential picks and how we deploy those before we go on to our choices. So differentials then let's, let's come to nick first what, what do you do how do you manage your differentials and how do you uh, weave them in so to speak with all of the core players that you also own yeah just in general you've just got to identify um players that are l- low ownership but also um have very good underlying stats and i quite often look at the um, the attacking stats for players on on fancy football scouts and and uh have a look and then see if there's a player that's kind of floating under the radar. Maybe it's because he's not scored or assisted that much. But if the underlying stats are there, then he's worth a pick. I agree with you there, Nick, um, uh, in particular about um, going on to and, and looking for underlying stats and, and using, obviously, an example to that. I would say Jordan Ibe is a prime example of that because no one would be looking at him. It's often those ones that like you said, are not actually returning any FPL points. You have to, it sort of ties in with bandwagons. You've got to sort of preempt when they're about to hit form and that's what makes them a true powerful differential that's what makes the differential work because you've got you're getting on it before anyone else is and so as I said with with Jordan Ibe you know the sort if you actually look at his underlying stats at the moment they're they're incredible and they're still actually for his price I mean they're incredible now and they were incredible a while back before he started actually returning any that's an indication that's something that can tell you that this player is about to hit form so I, I would say it's a, it's a blend of consulting those underlying stats, uh, as well as making sure you're, you've you've watched a little bit on in terms of the eye test. You've got to at least watch one game of this player that you're potentially looking at um, MOTD if you can't if they they're not on a live match. But one of those two things, and you've got to have a bit of both. I think a bit of an eye test and the underlying stats, and try and get on those differentials that you know who aren't actually returning FBL points at that moment to the point where they could, using that information that you've just found out, uh, burst into life and, and give you those FPL points. So 
Uh, for me personally, like I said before, it's I, I go with a two-three-two setup originally, and the differentials I try to pick are the the third in a three-four-three. It would be the third uh, third defender, the fourth midfielder, and the third striker. And I just typically try to play around with those three as the season goes on. Uh, so, for one example, I got on Mares right at the beginning of that incredible season. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, for me. It's about trying to get on those those differentials before they burst into life and hit that form. And like uh, like Nick said, uh, using the underlying stats is one one very good way that you can do that. Yeah, I think that's completely right. Um, I think you're kind. I think again, it kind of link. You can see where it kind of links to the uh, uh, to the season keeper discussion as well. I think again, it's about the team composition as you just alluded to, Simon. So you've got 15 players, right? Seven or eight of which are highly owned. Uh, five or six of which become kind of 4.5 and below filler, uh, which means you're looking at about two or three kind of places, which are kind of mid price or something like that and it's about balancing it depending on your needs so in the beginning obviously it's good to have enough conformity to cover who the big players are who look like they're going to perform and have those kind of mares types who may come through but as the season kind of progresses things become a bit different so now i think if you're in a high position it's obviously advisable to conform quite a lot while having one or two maybe calculated differentials you know like having a walcott or something like that as your only kind of player outside of a template might be a good idea um if you're in the middle uh, it's probably a good idea to have a, f- a fair few differentials and maybe even uh, have a kind of a high risk high value differential like me with with sanchez and i think that kind of expands even more as you go further down so having differentials while retaining kind of a modicum of the key men the lower down you go is an advisable strategy now i think to kind of push your way up and speaking of pushing your way up let's kind of give our suggestions for differentials in different positions and let's start with defenders so i think it goes without saying that for defenders a lot of the time what we're actually looking for is attacking returns alongside the clean sheet potential and in fact we've seen this week that the defenders haven't haven't really been doing very much for us in terms of uh, being that that kind of consistent knife wrench which would give you points they seem to be there's a lot of conceding going on and a lot of 4.5 defenders have fallen away in terms of value unless they get random goals like fernandez of this week um, so with that that in mind i've got my free picks and we'll go on to probably simon then nick uh, so my three picks here are um var botherer dawson uh, West Brom, obviously they're bottom, so bear that in mind. Um, but he's historically the the most threatening West Brom defender at four point eight. He scored four per season on average, so he's more than due now if we, if we believe in that. And uh, he took more shots last season than McCauley did. Second is Seamus Coleman at Everton, so quite a high value differential. But with Alonso maybe going, Alonso he could be a fun little pick. They've got very very good fixtures um, coming going forward. They just need to sort it out. Last year, between 16 and 29, when he was on fire, he returned 84 points in those game weeks, including three double-figure returns. So we know what he can do. And finally, uh, for me, it's Cedric. Um, so Edwin, uh, our writer, wrote an article on Carrillo. And um, I noted that, uh, looking at his stats, that he's still banging the crosses in. So he's had 89 crosses so far this season, Cedric, compared to uh, someone like Cole Walker on just 43. So could it be at 4.7 he makes his way into your shopping list if he keeps it, if he starts putting them onto the head of uh, of Carrillo? So yeah, that, that's my three: Dawson, Coleman, and Cedric. Well, what do you think, Nick? I've started actually with with the Burnley defence as my um, first uh, differential, and that's Ben Mee, the the eagle of the uh, the Burnley defence. Let's say, um, I mean, Burnley have only conceded 23 goals so far this season, which is pretty incredible. It's the it's the same amount as Chelsea. Uh, ben Mee's nailed. 
in the defence. He's still only 4.9. He's had a few price rises, but I think he's still quite kindly priced. And I think um, we've, we've avoided Burnley for a little while as well, actually. But their fixtures are starting to improve again with Swansea, Southampton, Everton and West Ham up next. My second pick is is another Ben. It's uh, Ben Davis, of course. Why, why not? Uh, <laughs> What's five, how, can you, how can you keep five, going on here? 5.5. I think it's, it's time to think about <laughs> gentle. He's, I know. I think he, I think he's great. He's, he may be an apple teeny drinker. I don't know. But he, in the last six game weeks, he's... Um, Attacking output for crosses and chances created is very impressive. He's had 40 crosses and it's 13 more than any other defender. You know, might be some more assists for uh, Harry Kane to get on the end of. And with Spurs' uh, fixtures improving after the Arsenal game, if Danny Rose continues to be uh, in Coventry, so to speak, then uh, Ben Davis might be getting a lot more game time and uh, a lot more FPL points, perhaps. My final, my final pick is uh, Andrew Robertson at Liverpool. Uh, I think after a stuttering start, he seems to be winning the battle for the Liverpool left-back position. Having started 11 of the last 12 games of the club, you can, you can never tell with Klopp, as um, Simon found out with uh, his Joe Gomez pick this game week, because uh, there's always a risk of rotation with that Liverpool defence. But I think uh, Robertson offers good value at 4.7 million. He's um, getting forward into attacking positions too. Um, he's ranked third for defenders in the last six game weeks for successful passes in the final third and also for crosses. So he might have an assist in the bag at some point too. Oh, that's cool, Nick. Thanks for that. I still can't get over that guy love for Ben Davis. You absolutely adore him, don't you? I'm going to get well, the, you, uh... I've got the shrine, of course. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> time to get him back in my team soon, maybe. Yeah, we're going to need that, aren't we? All right, Simon, what about your three picks? You've heard ours. My first one, and that's Hector Bellerin. I brought, I brought him in. Oh. Yeah, can I have it? No. Yeah, no, yeah, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can have it. It's just my reaction. You know, you know my thoughts on him, that he always flatters to deceive, so I'm interested <laughs> to hear your case. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I've got a bit of love for him because I brought him in in game 22 and he literally scored that beautiful half volley into the, in the 91st minute against Chelsea. And then immediately afterwards against Bournemouth, he scored again for me. So I was really happy with that. Uh, but no, um, going forward, I think, with the sort of doubt surrounding Alonso now, I mean, 7.4, um, there's all, obviously Emerson's there now and Chelsea just seem to be at sixes and sevens. They're all over the place. So I think Bellerin's potentially the only one that could, <laughs> for his relative price, rival Alonso. So I've dug up some stats here. Um, he's got the most penalty touches of any defender in the last 10 game weeks. It's only Alonso that beats him for shots inside the box. So Alonso's had 12 shots inside the box over that time. Uh, Hector Bellerin's at 10. Um, and, and so, you know, he's always, he's always up and down that wing, isn't he? He's, he's always in the penalty area. He, he looks threatening all the time. Um, yeah, I, I'd heavily consider him. Obviously, the only one snag is that blank game week 31 with Arsenal assets. But my second one is Alfie Mawson. He's the one I brought in in my wild card. And because... Basically, he's got a great goal threat. He's he is the well, I say great goal threat. When I heard on Sky Sports News that Swansea had scored from a set piece, I was up, and lo and behold, it was Fernandez, his partner, that scored it. But yeah, he is. He's always a goal threat. He scored four last season, and he's uh, got an assist and a, and a goal in the last three game weeks. So he's always a goal threat for Swansea. So and he's only at two point three ownership. So I like Alfie Mawson. It's a bit. It is a bit pricey at five mil, but. I think he has got that goal threat that we all crave from the defenders. So Alfie Mawson's my second pick. And the last pick, unfortunately, has already been taken by Nick. And that was uh, Ben Mee. As he says, 
Uh, Burnley's fixtures start to turn again, as we all know. Burnley uh, uh, have a nasty, well, not a nasty, a very good habit of uh, being able to keep those clean sheets, and he does have the best goal threat at Burnley as well. So those are my three. All right, sweet. Yeah, no, not really expressed yet, Ben Me, I don't think he's scored yet this season, has he? But he's uh, yeah, one of those who, who seems to get goals against teams like uh, like Chelsea and Man City, actually, funnily enough. Uh, move on, moving on to the middle of the park, uh, midfield. Uh, again, kind of free choices. Nick, what, what, who are your three for the midfield? Well, I, I, I've got two from the same team and I call them the double Ds because it's um, either Deu Lefeo or Decore from Watford. Uh, so Watford, um, we know that they've got... Double Ds. <laughs> we, we know they've got uh, no blank um, this season. And uh, I kind of, was, as usual, um, I was a bit disparaging about Watford and, and picking one of their players for the double game week. And of course, they, they went and thrashed um, Chelsea, as, um, as is the curse. Every team I tend to slag off um, on the pods does really well the next game week. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but it's, it's a bit of a tradition. But with uh, Ducore, um, unbelievably, he's now actually outscoring Richarlison for points. He has been pretty prolific in general and picked up a couple of assists um, this game week, which, um, you know, is very impressive. And uh, Watford have West Ham, Everton, West Brom up next. But most importantly, they have a they, that game against Liverpool in game week 31 is happening. So um, if you were to get a, a cheap midfielder, perhaps um, you could get either Dale Lefeo, who's, um, who's only just joined, but um, had a stormer of a, a first game for the club. And uh, or Decore, who's who's very cheap, he's very good value, I think, for um, for the returns that he's been getting. He's had first seven goal attempts, which is actually the same amount as the likes of Sane and Marshall, albeit with a lot more minutes. Uh, my other pick, um, and he's probably one of your guys, I think one of you might have picked him as well, possibly, but it's um, Zerdan Shakiri. He's um, someone we talked about on the last pod as an option to bring in um, Stoke. Um, Stokes fixtures have been okay. But they're they're going to they're going to stiffen soon, but they've got Brighton at home up next, and um, they've got Everton in the game week thirty one. Uh, Shakiri, um, I picked over your man Tom, who's uh, Chupo Mooting, just because I think he offers a lot more goal threats. And um, yeah, he's I mean his performance this game week with the goal obviously proves that he has it has it within him to to get a return every so often. Now, I'm still not completely convinced that he's um, done enough to get into my team at the moment. Uh, Simon, what do you think? Of- my um, uh, slightly cheaper differential is Jordan Ibe. He's got 16 penalty touches um, in the last, is it, what, five game weeks? 21 goal attempts in that time, which is actually five more than Callum Wilson's had. We know he's had three assists and one goal in those last five games as well. He's only 4.9 mil, 1.8% owned. Um, and yeah, he's getting regular starts, John Ibon. He seems to have nailed that right-hand spot down. And so, you know, really, you're only looking for some points every now and then from someone at that price. But Jordan Ibe, I think, has, has got this sort of underlying stats and the, um, ability in that team. Yeah, so second one, he's only 6.6% ownership. I've got to go for Theo Walcott. You know, great fixtures. Everton, yeah, I mean, in terms of their defence, they're not looking great. Obviously, the Arsenal mauled them on the on the weekend just gone. But uh, in terms of attack, Theo's, he's doing really well. You know, in the last, his last three game weeks for Everton, he's had nine shots. Uh, six of those came inside the box. He should have scored against Arsenal, really. So, and obviously the most important thing with Theo is there's no blank game week um, in 31. They've got Stoke, so that's a pretty decent fixture as well. The last one, the uh, hero for the very few, and our friend Chef in particular, I've got to go for Aaron Ramsey at 4.2% ownership. I think everyone's looking at Mkhitaryan, but 
why not go for Aaron Ramsey? I mean, Mkhitaryan's going to be the sort of assister, isn't he? The creator. And Ramsey's sort of still that renegade midfield guy just bombing into the box and getting on the end and finishing chances. So uh, he's, he's at seven mil. Um, and he'll obviously just come off the back of a hat-trick if he can keep himself fit with those fixtures. Um, I think he can he could be a great differential. Those are three that I, I kind of like, especially Ramsey. Um, and we know that he can do that. I mean, I, I owned him before he got injured and he returned to kind of 10 points and they got an assist as well away at United. So he's definitely one who plays that kind of Lampard-esque box-to-box role that could really make a difference, especially when our fixtures, Arsenal's fixtures, that is, get better. So I, I've got an Arsenal player as as well and I've actually got Mesa Ozil 2.7% owned and obviously a very uh, high value differential at 9.3 uh, but he's got a very high minutes per chance creation ratio so he creates chance every 24 minutes um, which is actually better than De Bruyne uh, who makes a chance every 28 minutes and it's surely going to benefit him um, having Aubameyang and Co in front of him and the issue of course is Mkhitaryan um, but he actually made more key passes than Mkhitaryan did in the last game it's just Mkhitaryan's uh, chances got, got converted and uh, it's one you have to see how it goes. And obviously, as you said, no game week 31, so that's something to worry about. The next guy you don't have to worry about, it's Sadio Mane, 7.4% owned, owned by uh, 9.3 million. Okay, he's the, he's the least sexy member of the Fab Three, and he's still yet to really fire this season. He got 13 goals, seven assists last season, he's only got six goals and five assists so far. But we know what he can do. Liverpool could have good games coming up. Uh, they've got Southampton, West Ham, Newcastle, the next three. And um, after Man United in game week 30, they only play Chelsea. Um, the only problem is, is that he's such a bonus foe. He's kind of the Richardson's older brother in that regard. Um, but he could still be an ex-differential with Salah ubiquitous and Firmino also highly owned. You just need him to score, basically, to get you any points. And the final guy may well get a no blank in game week 31. This is heavily dependent on Huddersfield, who he plays for. It won't be a blank for them unless Huddersfield beat Manchester United in round five. But it's Aaron Moy, 5.3, 5.8% owned. He's got a really good run in. In game week 30 and uh, game week 34, they play teams around them. And if they're going to stay up, they really need to play well then. Uh, Swansea, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Brighton and, and Watford. But I think maybe those ones who have got no blank, um, for example, the double Ds, and uh, are those people who are going to um, perhaps be of more interest to others? Uh, moving on finally to the forwards, I'll go first because it's kind of an easy free for me. The first one's Aubameyang. Spoke about him last week. Uh, prospects and prospects showed a high uh, shot conversion rate. Such a great option, 10.5. No other distractions for Arsenal. And a sea of green between 29 and 35. And we only face Leicester um, of any of the hard teams. Second one is a bit of a, a bit left field. It's one of my personal heroes in FPL. It's Troy Deeney. Uh, provided he's back in the groove at 6.3 million. Uh, Watford have an OK next three. Then they have a couple of tough fixtures, but between 32 and 35, they're fairly strong fixtures and they have no blank in 31. Normally, blank, normally nets 10 goals a season. Um, he'll be giving the finger to uh, managers who don't own him, perhaps. <laughs> and, uh, and finally, it's, it's a Joa. Um, he's a championship striker. Let's not uh, beat around the bush about that. Playing in the championship team in Brighton. Um, but he knows how to score in the Premier League. And more than anything, his his selection is because of the bench boost potential he offers you. So if you go for a 3-5-2 in the sub 5 million bracket at the moment, who the third kind of striker is going to be? Um, there's a real dearth of options. It's a pretty tough run in for Brighton. But he could be the kind of guy who comes on and scores goals and maybe gets you points off the bench, especially when you bench boost and perhaps game week 34, which is when I suggested this week. Simon, what about you for the strikers? 
Uh, yeah, I think the the, the obvious one there was uh, Aubameyang, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he was he was my pick, and you know, home debut for Aubameyang. I was really up for getting him and captain him, and yeah, that fever struck, and that that's what was the ultimate tipping point for me to go for my wild card. I think he's the perfect striker for for Arsenal, and um, and yeah, at four percent ownership, yeah, he is the he's the obvious pick with those fixtures. So uh, my other one really isn't a lot to choose from. Um, I'm not even keen on what I've chosen here to be honest but I've gone for Jay Rodriguez because West Brom have got they're not the most prolific team in terms of scoring goals but they've got some good fixtures here um, so Jay Rodriguez he was one, someone that a lot of people thought were going to do well at the start of the season it didn't quite work out that way but he has he's hit a bit of form recently he scored against Arsenal bagged assist against Brighton he scored away at Everton as well um, so he's got a little bit of form coming into this nice run uh, you know he's only 5.6 mil, 2.2 percent ownership. So you know if you're not if you're not going to go Wilson, which I think you should if you want a differential, Rodriguez is there as well. Um, and my last pick uh, is I'm going to go with something a bit random here, and I think it's more of a wait and see with this one with the Maris situation. But I, I quite like what I've seen early on from Matt Diabate. He he looks to be quite an interesting option. He's he's five mil. And he seems to have replaced Mares on that right-hand side. But it is incredibly risky, but you know he he, he uh, hit the ground running against Peterborough. I think he got it was two goals and an assist. He bagged in that five-one win, so he came on and and uh, hit the ground running there. So obviously that was in the cup against a weaker team. But um, yeah, I think I think I liked what I've seen from him. I think he could do well. It just all depends, obviously, on what happens with the Mares situation, but. I'd say keep an eye on that one. I think he could be an interesting option. Yeah, great picks um, there, Simon and Tom. Some very um, interesting differentials. I think I uh, probably probably um, picked a couple of two mainstream picks, to be honest, because um, I was looking and I, I didn't really want to resort to the likes of uh, Dini and uh, Rondon as my selection. So I think maybe I should... Uh, no. Maybe I should have uh, picked some players that are perhaps are bigger differentials than the ones I picked. So um, I'm, I'm going to be a bit boring, I guess. But um, the first one I picked was uh, Jordan Ayew. Um, I talked about him. He transferred him in for um, Calvert-Lewin. But I think um, Swansea's um, run of fixtures still make the move worthwhile in the long run, I hope. Um, he's going to be playing alongside his brother. Um, Andre Ayew is obviously um, re-signed for Swansea. So that might give him some further impetus. He, tend- he looks to be assured of stars. He's had three goals in the last six. Um, second one, even more mainstream, probably. Um, I, put, I put Callum Wilson down. He's four for goal attempts in the last six game weeks, and he's got decent fixtures. I think he can uh, definitely reward his owners with uh, three goals and two assists in the last five. And then finally, I, I selected um, Jamie Vardy as my other differential. I think he still is a differential, to be honest. He's having a very quietly rewarding season. He's been on penalties. He's been a key asset for the club. Um, especially with Mares, um, you know, not playing ball. Um, and he's had three goals in three now, and he's only eight points behind Firmino, so he's been doing quietly very well. Fair enough. I, I like those. Uh, it might be worth noting that uh, uh, Tammy Abraham, uh, 5.5, he's now 0.2, only 0.2 uh, less, uh, sorry, more than Ayu has actually scored for, uh, for Swansea a couple of times at least tonight. So uh, he could be one who's coming onto the radar. But thanks very much for that for those guys. Um, hopefully that's uh, really useful to, to those folks listening, looking for, uh, looking for differentials. Um, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features just in a minute. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
Hello, so we're back and uh, it's our feature section. Uh, the first is the anti-meta team, an update on those. And this is our team of players who aren't in the template, aren't being spoken about too much in the wider meta at the moment. We try to keep them under 10% owned. And, uh, and Nick, how, how have they been doing this week? Yeah, it's been a it's been another poor week for the anti-metas, um, which is unfortunate for them. They they only scored thirty one points. I think they were they were let down um, by Sanchez, and they they have been just dropping rank heavily recently. They're now down to the Millionaires Club, as um, the likes of Albrighton and um, Olivia Giroud. A couple of their key differentials didn't do very well. They had Gary Cahill as well on a zero-pointer. Very well. They got Miljojevic. Um, he got 10 points, so that was quite good. They also had a loss on the bench for 10 points because they picked Edison as their first-choice goalkeeper. I think, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the anti metas They've still got Lacazette, and I think it might be time perhaps to, to get rid of him. But um, I'm not sure if um, Aubameyang's going to stay um, an anti-meta pick for long after that. Um, decent start, so maybe he's not the player to transfer in. So we'll have a think about uh, what transfer to do for the anti-metas and get back to you. But um, one guy in their defence um, who got a one-pointer was Alan Nyom. And I think it, you're going to do Nyom watch, aren't you, this week, Tom? Yeah, that's it. Uh, so this is Nyom watch. This is our uh, descent into all things Alan Nyom at the start of the season. Nick, and particularly, but I was also uh, outraged at the uh, at the 5.0 pricing of Alan, and we resolved to follow him around. I, I think kind of he started last week against Man City, but unfortunately we were podding quite late at night and didn't have the data to hand. But the good news is that he started again in the fruity loss to Southampton in the left-back role uh, for the second game in a row because Kieran Gibbs was ruled out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nyom Watch. Alan Nyom took a total of 28 touches on the field. Nine of these were in the opponent's half, underlying his attacking potential. He made 16 passes, 12 were successful. That's 75% for you stats nerds. He made three crosses, one was successful, which meant one chance created in the game. Lad. He was mentioned in dispatches thusly. In the 33rd minute, Rondon's glancing header drifted beyond the back post from Nyom's ball in. Imagine that, FPL family, although Rondon did actually score, but I don't think Lee noticed. <laughs> and in the 77th minute, Nyom made way for James McLean, no doubt being given a standing ovation as he went. So uh, that, that's how Nyom did this week. If you see him down at game buying FIFA, you see him at Holland and Barrett buying vegan sausage rolls, or you see him at Pound Stretcher buying one pound tissue boxes, let us know. Hashtag Nyom Watch. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that, Tom. That, that was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on swiftly to uh, to market forces. Um, this is our usual section where we examine the trends within the market on FPL, who the movers and shakers are, who's rising in value, who's being bought and who's being sold. So um, there's a there's a theme actually to market forces this game week, and it's, it's Arsenal, Tom, you'll be pleased to know. Um, <laughs> the most transferred in... Um, player this game week um, he's had over 173,000 net transfers in he's already risen in price and that's um, Henrik Mkhitaryan so I said on the last pod um, I was like oh he's definitely a wait and see option don't get him in straight away well um, I think people have already seen enough after he got a hat-trick of assists against Everton um, um, so I also mentioned that he got managed to get five assists in his first three um fixtures for Manchester United this season and he looks set to do that again because um, he's clearly um, setting in well um, in this new team and um, he's setting in well uh, reuniting that partnership with um, the second person on market forces with, which is Aubameyang and, and this was um, your pick wasn't it Simon? 
Yeah, yeah, Aubameyang, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, he's just one of those players with that kind of goal-scoring record. I can't, I don't have the actual figures today. I think it was something like 100. 31 in, 31 in 31 last year and about 100 goals since the start of the 2015-16 season. Oh, there you go. Well, that just straight away completely proves, you know, this the kind of quality that this guy oozes. So not surprised at all to see that. There's a lot of Arsenal activity, but they do have Spurs and Manchester City up next, and that's going to be two very challenging fixtures for them. But Aubameyang's had over 132,000 transfers in, and um, Ramsey, he's third on the metric. He's had over 80,000 transfers in, net transfers in so far, and that's after his um, his maiden hat trick in, in the Premiership. But um, the the guy, I guess, who's who's being sold heavily is is Riyad Mahrez with over 100,000. Um, transfers out and obviously there's a lot going on with him at the moment Um, he didn't get the transfer he wanted over the January transfer window and we're not sure when we're going to be seeing him next at the moment yeah no definitely um with with Mares, I think we we said um if you did if you did own him for for that little kind of patch before the transfer window uh good on you um I hope you've gotten out in time um, Mares was one of those that was always a flight risk, um, literally and metaphorically, and uh, so so it proved really with 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 the latest example of his head going after him uh, not getting the move that he that he wanted. I guess uh, the other two to kind of talk about Nick quickly. Um, the first one's uh, Mo Salah, who is still gaining owners incredibly. I, I can't think there's anybody who doesn't own him. But Forty five thousand people have transferred him in this game week. <laughs> Yeah, that's no surprise. Well, I mean, it is a surprise, actually. I guess you make a good point that who, who's still playing FPL that doesn't actually own, <laughs> own Mo Salah. It's, you know, but yeah, he's, he's definitely essential and should be in everyone's team and he, he proves it week in, week out. But um, I think the other guy, I don't know if this was the one you were going to refer to, but Jesse Lingard yeah. being sold pretty heavily as well. He's had over uh, 60,000 um, net transfers out so far this game week. And he's um, he's just not rewarded um, owners. Um, I think um, he was he was on fire, um, but then since I think he scored a brace against Burnley and he scored against Everton. But since then, he's um, managed to not score or get an assist in the last four Premier League games against Stoke, Burnley, Spurs, and Huddersfield. And his his minutes he's playing is it seems to be slowly decreasing as well as he gets subbed off earlier and earlier. And I think. Um, owners are clearly starting to lose patience with him. I think you've already lost patience. You sold him, didn't you, Tom? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think this kind of loops back to what Simon was saying when we were talking about differential strategy, because he um, he was one that you had to get on fairly early because he seemed to dry up as soon as the as soon as soon we all jumped on him and he became template. Remember our friend Ker- uh, Kerry Dovey on our uh, on our pre-Christmas drinks got him in with a beer in his hand for a minus four. And I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then got richly rewarded. And when I bring him in, he, he does bugger all, of course. Uh, anyway, thanks for that, Nick. That's, that's really, that's really uh, interesting and really... Uh, cool to see how the market's reacting to everything we'll talk about Arsenal again later on um, but I suppose it'll be no surprise to anybody to see that Arsenal are top of that list. Uh, Let's move on to the final part of the features this week and so it's a more of a periodic feature this um, but when we have guests we have a speaker's corner and uh, Simon this week has a he's come up with and pioneered his captaincy metric uh, which isn't just the captain the home player um so um i, I want uh, so simon i wouldn't uh, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about that and uh, yeah just, just uh, talking about how you come up with it and what it does <laughs> yeah no problem um well basically it was born out of uh, born out of frustration really that this year i was really struggling to 
to trust my instincts and, and um, I, I didn't really have much, I haven't all the way through the season but for one reason or another, I haven't really had much of a gut feeling about a certain player to captain, which a, a lot of people will use to, to make their captaincy decision. Last year was completely different. I, I, I was convicted in all my decisions uh, and usually what I would do is sort of when the game would get finished, I'd sort of look at my team uh, and I'd sort of make my decision sort of there and there, not actually do anything, but I'd sort of say, right, I'm going to captain this guy. I'm going to, I want to bring in this person. And obviously that was the plan set. And that saved a lot of agonizing throughout the entire week rather than sort of logging in every day and looking at, go, oh, should I captain this guy, this guy? Um, but yeah, this year that's happened to me somehow. It's sort of gone to that point where I'm just agonizing throughout the week and I can't make, I just can't seem to make that definitive decision. So it's been born out of that really. And I sort of said to myself, well, what, what can I do? Is there something I can do to sort of help me make this decision when, especially when, you know, with, there's been quite a few um, examples this year where we've been sort of 50-50 between two or three options. And I think this, what I've, you know, introduced and brought to the table is something that is extremely useful in that scenario to people. And like I've said, when I published it at the start, at the very beginning, I've said that, you know, it's not some magic formula. I don't even profess to to say that this is going to work for you every single week. But for those people like me that have struggled this year picking a captain, uh, this the captain metric that I've introduced can help you, especially if you're 50-50. So just quickly, um, basically what it is, is that I've just taken relevant statistics, Opta statistic, and it's obtained and provided by uh, Fantasy Football Scout. Uh, and I've come up with a metric where I- I'll put them into a spreadsheet and uh, I'll sort of cross-reference them between these uh, these st- the relevant statistics. And whoever sort of wins out is is going to be the-, the captain, is the captain's suggestion, the best one on paper. Uh, uh, for that week so just quickly for example this week we've got Kane, Salah and Aguero and uh, so what I say is I, I take player form, uh, team form, the ICT index that the official FPL uses and obviously of course fixture difficulty so uh, for player form I define that as uh, how that player has returned in terms of FPL points for the last five game weeks where he's been involved in the game, uh, team form uh, that's how many big chances the team has um yeah, the team the candidate has played for has created over the last five game weeks. And fixture difficulty is defined as how many big chances the team a candidate is playing against has conceded over the last five game weeks. So in the captain metric this week, it's, it's actually a draw between Salah and Kane. And I've subjectively uh, said, basically, that my opinion of it is that player form is the most important of those four relevant stats uh, and, and that is the kicker, the deciding factor. So this week, the captain metric says Mohamed Salah. So that's the captain metric, basically. Cool, yeah. I think that's really interesting because I think you're definitely kind of encapsulating the experience of a lot of players. I and mean, obviously, you've got players like Nick who are doing very well. Um, you've got um, a whole lot of other players who seem to be kind of nailing it week after week. And uh, players like me, players like yourself, I think kind of at the beginning of the season, especially, they're kind of suffering a crisis of confidence in our convictions, as you as you so eloquently put it. And I think that that's definitely the case, that it's nice to have the objective source of data to try to understand uh, and, and make and help you make your decision. And obviously, I don't think we'd ever propagate following blindly. We've got to, you've got to engage brain, as with all FPL advice. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really cool. And uh, obviously, look out for that every week and uh, on, on Simon's t- uh, timeline on Twitter and on his website and also on Reddit as well. Okay, uh, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the community section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league and uh, busting a move at the top of the league still is uh, Damitane. Um He got 57 points, um, so pretty good, um, all things considered, this game week. And he's um, right at the top still with 1686 points. So well done, Demir. He did take a hit, but he captained Mo Salah, um, got 30 points for him. And he also has uh, Shakiri for an eight-pointer. Uh, same same amount of points as uh, Stevie Sunshine um, with cruise control. He also got fifty seven points, um, so he's still he's still chasing, and he's um, he's up at one hundred sixteenth in the world at the moment. So he's been doing really well this season. So uh, well done, Stevie, as well. Cool. And in third, Andrew Ferguson, two goals, one slot with a forty five. Um, you know he was doing really well, um, but recently he's kind of fallen off a little bit, and um, there's been there's kind of a. a a bit, a bit of uh, clear water between himself and Stevie Sunshine in second and third. Underneath, underneath him is a Terabads, Ben Sutton, another 46. And uh, new in the top five is uh, Georgi Bozhinov with Jagetto. Wow, that's, that's, a oh, lot of, that's a lot of difficult things to pronounce in one go. Um, but he got 62 points, uh, so well done, Georgie. And um, yeah, Captain Salah um, and had Shakiri and De Gea as well. Um, so yeah, a, a pretty good week in the mini league. Okay. Um, we've got a couple of shout outs this week. They're both kind of themed around new blogs. So, um, you know, now we've we've got a little bit of a vague platform. I think it's always a nice thing to kind of give back to the community and um, kind of give people a shout out. And just so you guys kind of know what's going on and what people are doing. The first thing actually isn't isn't really about FPL. So it's our friend at Chef Dale H, um, who Simon's also, uh, also good mates with. One, congratulations on the news this week. And two, um, he's got a great new blog out called uh, If You're Into Your Food, which is DaleDoesFood.com. Um, he does a lot of kind of his recipes and cuts out all of the crap about uh, where the food's been sourced and you know all of this kind of thing and get, get straight into it. So that, that's really cool. And he does loads of vegan options if, that, if that's your thing. And uh, the other thing this week is FPL Academica, which is a new venture uh, by a few guys on Twitter. They all have FPL in their name, so I'm going to get rid of that bit. They're called Noob. Um, hopefully he's better than his name suggests. Uh, JJ, Gaffer and Cadet. Um, they're all very nice guys. They're, they're teachers. And um, yeah, they've got a new uh, a new venture started at starting called FPL Academica. Um, they'll be doing differential articles, I, I think, this week. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they go going forward. But yeah, it's always good to see new things starting in the community, and um, hopefully they'll they'll add something um, which hasn't really been done before. Okay, um, let's move on to this week's questions. Thanks very much for everything, guys. I'm really sorry if we didn't quite get to you. We tried to crowbar in as many people as we possibly could. And I think the first thing to talk about, actually, like we kind of spoke about it right at the top, is Chelsea and Chelsexit. Um, so is it a case of a long go? Au revoir, Courtois. Or what the hell are you still doing in my team, Ethan Hazard? <laughs> Given Chelsea's recent form, um, should we be looking to now get rid of them? So Takar, who came up with the Courtois thing, unfortunately, I can't quite claim that. Uh, Mr. Walker Porter, uh, FPL.com and Mark Johnson on Facebook asked about this uh, particular issue. Just kind of to get out there before I come on to what you guys think. The first thing I think to say is that we're probably going to be keeping our Chelsea assets at least for West Brom. Um, I think that's kind of beyond, uh, beyond doubt. Uh, I think we may all own Alonso, and I think that he's probably going to be staying in the side. He, I think he didn't play due to a uh, as a precaution, so I'm guessing he'll be back for them. But I think there is perhaps, if you are looking to free up funds, you don't have fires anywhere else, so you need to reallocate money. For example, me with a terrible 4.5 heavy defence. It could be the case that, you know, from game week 28, 
onwards. There could be a case to get rid of him. Obviously, there's, they haven't got a fixture in 31. They've got Man United and Man City away. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, 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 want to, I want to hear what you guys think first before I actually say what I think. So I'm still not <laughs> sure about this. Uh, Simon, what do you think? What would you be doing in terms of your Chelsea assets? Is it Chelsea stay or Chelsea exit? Based on the fact that I don't own any currently, it's going to have to be oh, Chelsea. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be you, Chelsea. Yeah, you, you hadn't, didn't you? Yeah, yeah uh, Chelsea exit. But yeah, I had, I did, obviously, I had Alonso. Uh, and I kept him, to be honest, um, when everyone was, you know, looking at Aspilicueta and getting rid of Alonso in that sort of earlier period where he wasn't really returning. And I said, even then, I was like, you know, head to head, Alonso versus Aspilicueta, there's no, there's no contest. Alonso is the perfect fantasy asset. And at that time, yeah, I was just like, I'm keeping, I'm just going to keep holding him. And eventually started delivering. I was very happy because a lot of people got rid. And then, of course, Eden Hazard comes along and starts smashing it and uh, makes me get him in. And in order to fund the move for Hazard, I had to drop Alonso. And yes, suffice to say, it was probably one of the worst moves I've done because Alonso, as we know, smashed it through that period. I can't remember. I don't really want to remember the figures that he got in that time that I got rid, but yeah. it was something crazy like three goals, one assist and four yeah, clean sheets. It was devastating to me. And, and Hazard only got one assist in that five-game period. So I was like, right, Hazard's gone. And uh, yeah, from that point on, I couldn't really afford a quick way to Alonso. So I went with Bellerin and that's when he hit that nice little period so it was I softened the blow there but for me going forward from this point I don't know what's going on with Chelsea it just doesn't seem they seem all over the place and and Conte still doesn't seem happy despite you know professing to the press that he's not under any sort of um, pressure in terms of you know his, his, his job but I think he is under pressure and obviously for West Brom I agree there yeah you hold for that one but beyond that I'd be tempted to lose Alonso as well, to be honest. I know he's, like I just said, he is the perfect asset, but with Emerson there as well, it's a tough one to hold. It is a tough one. He's very expensive. So for me, I'm Chelsea exit. Uh, I don't know about you, Nick. Yeah, I can I can see your point, to be honest. He is very expensive. He's 7.4. So if I was to sell him, I'd free up a fair bit of cash that I could perhaps invest in another defender and also... Um, a premium, another premium defender, and also have a bit of money to um, upgrade a midfielder or attacker potentially. And just looking at those fixtures, it's just it's just four really tough fixtures. Um, well, after the West Brom, it's just Man U, Man City, Crystal Palace, and then a blank, and then Spurs. So that's, that's a that's a really bad run of fixtures, isn't it? Alonso is my only Chelsea player. I mean, Hazard. I can understand why people would want to sell him, but I. Surprised people still have him after him being such a troll this season. But he did score um, this game week and he always seems to return against the big clubs. That was um, his, um, he did a lot of that last season. He'd always seem to have amazing games against the big clubs where, uh, where people would sell him. But when he was playing like someone like Crystal Palace or Burnley, he would have a terrible fixture. So he's one of those guys that's just been a, a you know huge troll this season. But I think with Alonso, you've got to talk about his merits as well. And, you know, the fact that he's um, had six goals and one assist so far for a defender. Um, he's had 49 goal attempts so far this season, which is nearly twice the second highest um, defender for goal attempts. I think it's better in with 25. And um, and he's also on set pieces. He had four goals so far from set pieces. So, um, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a great player and he's um, he's been great for our teams. But with, with these fixtures and Chelsea having lost 3-0 to Bournemouth and 4-1 to Watford, and they're not looking particularly um, 
there and I know we're talking about Conte perhaps um, looking for the sack at the moment because they're they're not doing very well at all at the moment. No, they're not. Um, I, I think with Alonso, I'm still I'm still on the fence, and I'll be definitely rolling my transfer this week. Spoilers. Um, so I might think about that later on. I think I've got, there's a couple of things. One is that Alonso has scored in big games, so he scored away to Tot- uh, Tottenham. He scored that brace in game week two, and he also scored away at Arsenal. Um, so he does have uh, kind of form in those games when he just thinks, screw it, towards the end, I'm just going to go up front. <laughs> so there's always that kind of opportunity for him to get something. Um, and the other kind of thing for me is, well, where do I go? Like, do I then move that money around? Like, you know, I've only got a finite amount of free transfers before, um, you know, game week 31, if I'm going to do that and uh, game and wildcard in 32. So where would I go with that money? I mean, do I go to Van Dyke? Well, you've got clock rotation. Do I go to... Um, you know, a high-priced Spurs defender. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your man Ben Davis. I'll uh, resurrect. I'll g- give the Davis some love. Um, but I just don't know about that. It might be the case that it's easier to remove him when you wildcard. If I do dead end my team, then in game week thirty-one, I might take him out and then put someone else in for for that kind of one game week. So I think, kind of from our point of view, then the three of us, Chelsea exit probably is something we're going to endorse. If you don't, apart from Alonso, which is kind of a, it's kind of a, an individual situation thing. And if you do have kind of other fires to put out, maybe keep hold of him and just hope for the best in those two City and United games, thinking that he can score in those kind of fixtures. All right, moving on uh, to the Arsenal bandwagon. So uh, obviously a few questions about this. FPL Virgin asked us, how do we advise FPL managers to respond in the wake of the emphatic victory for Arsenal at the weekend? Tan May also gets at this. So he asks us, uh, who are Ramsey or Mickey to get? And Hera Lampos Katsos also asked about Arsenal assets on Facebook. And Justin Dyer as well asked us about sub 8.5 million options, which I think um, covers uh, kind of those Arsenal midfield assets at least. So... Arsenal are an interesting one. For me, it's going to be quite difficult to intertwine. I think I've said this several times this season that it's very difficult for me to intertwine my FPL interest with my club affiliation. And I find it's a lot easier a lot of the time to overlook Arsenal. And this season has obviously lent itself to me overlooking Arsenal because of how poor we've been. Um, but uh, Nick, what, what do you think about Arsenal? How are you responding in the short term to them? And what do you think about them going forward? Well, at the moment, I'm going to continue to ignore them like I have done for most of the season. They've obviously had an emphatic um, victory against Everton, but quite frankly, Everton have been pretty horrendous all season. And it was just um, the game week before last, we were just talking about how appalling they were after they lost to Swansea. You've got to look at it at the present. They've come off a great victory and that's great for them. But, you know, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Are we getting too excited? I don't know. I think with Spurs next and Manchester City, up next afterwards it's not the time to be drafting in the Arsenal players if they do well against Spurs and Man City they've then got a brilliant run of fixtures I think after that it's Brighton Watford Leicester Stoke Southampton Newcastle West Ham so I'll definitely be thinking about bringing in an Arsenal player then for sure so I think there's definitely potential but I think with um, Ramsey bandwagons they're gonna fall I think they're gonna walk into a, a trap perhaps because we rarely see lightning strike twice, whilst now everyone's all jumping on Ramsey when perhaps they should be looking at other players. And I think um, I'd still pick Walcott as my um, my pick over Ramsey for for that midfielder in within that price range because of the um, Everton fixtures at the moment and because of the game week thirty one fixture. Yeah, I think I agree with you as well, Nick. Uh, I think 
people seem to be getting a little bit too rowdy over the Arsenal assets. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think at this moment, with those two fixtures that are coming up next, I think it's probably best to just curtail the the action on the Arsenal players for now and then game week 29 that's when I would say to start bringing them in the best option would be to bring them in in game week 29 when those fixtures turn and, uh, but yeah I'm, I am interested in the Arsenal assets and one thing that we can rely on and have been able to rely on is in particular over the years is the Arsenal attack um, it's always just been the defence that's been the, the issue with Arsenal historically so when it comes to the Arsenal assets, I'm going to be looking at, again, like I said, Aubameyang in 29 and potentially either Ramsey or Mkhitaryan as well. It just depends on that blank game week. I don't really want to be going too crazy on, on those assets with that blank game week coming up. Yeah, I think that that's completely right. I'm not going to be looking at Arsenal until game week 29 and there's that blank as well to bear in mind. And after that, game week 32 with Stoke at home, that's followed by Southampton at home, Newcastle away, West Ham at home. They have Man United in game week 36, which is the only bad fixture because the finals were at Burnley and Huddersfield. Um, we, we do tend to do fairly well over the running, actually, um, which I think is something which um, is, is always something to bear in mind, especially if um, Arsenal manages to, to to get that team going together and continue that kind of uh, level of performance that we saw against Everton, who were admittedly rather woeful, which is kind of skewing everyone's opinion here. On the balance of probability, we, we might see Arsenal coming up against a decent Tottenham side as much as it pains me to say and it might be um, a case that it's better to look at look elsewhere for example Walcott as Nick said and um, we'll move on to the uh, blank blanks and doubles plans which I think that is, this is quite interesting we're not going to go into too much detail because obviously we've got um, <clears throat> a lot of information to come next week um, but Ian Wilson on Twitter and Conflict Free Paella on Reddit Asked us what our views are on weighing up uh, non-blankers um, as part of my, you know, dead end plan, which is to dead end or crash my team into game week thirty-one and wild card into game week thirty-two, or uh, focusing on quality players. Um, for example, if you're planning to free hit in game week thirty-one, or you've used your free hit, or you've um, not got your wild card. I, I'm not entirely sure um, at the moment what you guys, have, uh, if you guys have paid much thought to this, because obviously time is coming. The time is kind of just over the horizon for these blanks and doubles. And equally, we still have a little bit more information left. But um, I think I'll come to you, Simon, first, because um, you don't have your free hit and you've obviously used your wild card this week. And So I'm guessing you're coming down on the side of uh, focusing on quality for now um, yeah. in this regard. Um, what are you planning to do here? Right. Well, like I said, yeah, as, as you say, it's it's about trying to optimise the next five game weeks for me, where uh, and that's why I based my wild card around ensuring, obviously, I have I had those sort of initial key uh, blank game week players in there, like you, you Walcott, and obviously everyone's got Salah, but Firmino, and I brought in Gomez, who I thought was going to be. Well, I think he is still near. I'm not sure if it was just an injury or a rotation or whatever, but. Um, yeah, but it was to optimise sort of the fixtures and play around with big differentials like Sanchez and Aubameyang. So the plan was to captain Sanchez in these two games, uh, the two favourable fixtures with low ownership and hope he explodes and then move on to Aubameyang for Arsenal's favourable fixtures and try and optimise those that five-week period. And also, because I wildcard, I'm in a position to be able to plan where I can optimise and have at least nine games um, field nine uh, blank game week players 11 if I want to it's just at this point 
do you really want to field 11? I mean, how much are you going to lose out on by when you look at sort of the fixtures that could potentially be there for game week 31? I'm not, I don't really, I'm not convinced that you're going to miss out too much. So I'm definitely on the side of sort of focusing on, on quality because at the moment it looks like what maybe four or five fixtures are going to be played on game week 31. And apart from Liverpool against Watford, where, you know, where's the quality in terms of how many, the points potential you could probably get from that game week. So for me, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, maximising those five game weeks and trying to focus on quality rather than, than quantity. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, for me, um, I think I'm going to try and get as many players as possible for that blank game week 31. Um, I've alluded to it a little bit already on the pod, but I'm going to ideally triple up on Liverpool. I think there's a lot of question marks in regards to their defence. Um, Gomez, you know, Robertson, are these guys going to actually keep their places? The one I'm thinking about going for, he seems to be mo- the most nailed on the people think, and that's where Virgil van Dijk. Um, I'm thinking about having him perhaps as um, a defender in my team um, for that blank game week. I'm also looking at, so that'll be triple Liverpool if I keep Firmino and Salah, which I'm most likely to do because obviously Liverpool have some great fixtures as well at the moment, which um, makes tripling up on Liverpool not a bad idea at all. I'm also going to probably bring in Walcott. I, I like um, Everton's fixtures. I'm tempted to bring him in this game week, actually, but I've got to, and then uh, potentially just um, hopefully that Huddersfield and Palace game um, goes ahead. It looks like it's most likely going to happen because I think Huddersfield need to get past Manchester United to um, to cancel it. So I'll have um, Zanka probably still. He's, he's one of those players that just seems to be coming on off the bench for one point every game week at the moment. <laughs> Zanka um, Claus is one pointers. Zanka Claus, yeah, he's not rewarded <laughs> me much at all. And I've got Hennessy still in goal um, for Crystal Palace, which um, they've got some tough fixtures actually coming up, but at least they've, they've got a decent one in 31. So um, I'm hoping hopefully like Q Simon to try and field and maybe update eight or nine players and then after that for me it'll be a um it'll be a, a wild card most likely perhaps even straight away i haven't decided if it's that week or the week after for the double game week 34 and then i've, I've still got my free hit so i don't have my triple captain i spewed that on kane unfortunately but at least maybe for 35 for the blanks then um i might use it then and then i can navigate the blanks very easily or i might um I might use my free hit in 37, but I might not need to, to be honest, if if the teams with doubles in 34 are very similar to the teams with doubles in 37. So I might just use that free hit in, in 35 for that blank game week. Yeah, I think you've just alluded to it slightly there, Nick. And I think this kind of ties into the final question within which I'll give what my kind of views are. Um, Neil Gupta, uh, the FPL apprentice and, and the dude, uh, Scone AUS, asked what our advice is for those missing some chips with regard to planning the running. Um, so Goops like Connect has no free hit uh, nor a wild card. Nick, obviously, you just mentioned has no triple captain, so he's still trying to figure out how that's going to go. And FPL apprentice and dude have nothing except their bench boost. Um, and I think kind of j- just to kind of say that this week I wrote an article about what I think I'm going to do, uh, which is to dead end my team into game week 31s. I spoke about on the pod last week. So basically just maybe choose players um, who are a of de- sufficient quality. So players like Sadio Mane to make sure I get enough. So you've got to think that in game week 30, I'm going to do three moves, make sure I've got a mini wild card. So that's plus three to whatever I've got. So if I can get six maybe seven peak players without a blank and then move three in. 
I think that's pretty. That's going to be pretty decent for that week. That's still going to give me enough to mean the free hit perhaps isn't worth it. I think that there may be four or five games going on, so hopefully there'll be a slight a slight benefit there. In game week thirty five, I'm thinking of playing my free hit at the moment. I think there may be a fairly big benefit because a people will have played their free hit on game week thirty one if they didn't listen. They didn't listen to pods like this or read articles, and b um, it, it might just give me kind of like fun and boost at the end of the season. And I'm thinking of, of bench boosting in 34 and triple caps in 37, of course. Um, but for people like like Goops, Apprentice and Dude, um, I, I think it's an interesting kind of angle to cover because obviously I'm coming at it from having all of my chips intact. Um, so, so Simon, I think, you know, you've got no free hit, no wild card. You've kind of alluded to the fact that you're going to be planning quite hard. Um, when do you think you're going to be playing your bench boost? And obviously you've got triple captain as well. How do you think that's all going to w- come together? So for the for, well, usually I think the triple captain and bench boost serves as pretty standard. As I usually tend to try and play that bench boost in the in the biggest uh, double game, which is usually uh, thirty seven. Uh, but I think to be honest, uh, I'm yeah, I like to look. I'm going to look at this year. I'm going to look at exactly which of the double game weeks I favour the most for the triple captain, uh, and, and base it on that. Uh, and go with it that way. I'm hoping, obviously, that it falls nicely for me in the double game 34 with the less amount of those uh, fixtures is going to be the one that uh, that throws up the best triple captain option. But if it turns out that 37 is the one with the best one, I, I might just go with that and bench boost in, in uh, 34 instead. So that's how I'm planning on playing it, pretty much quite quite standard as to what you'd imagine, really. Uh, and yeah, I think yeah, going back to uh, 31, just... I would say for people who haven't got are in my position and don't have the free hit or the or the second wild card is just try, you know make sure you've got the key players so obviously Walcott and Salah and Firmino probably a Liverpool defender as well uh, and but the, I wouldn't I really wouldn't worry I wouldn't stress too much about it unless we see maybe Sheffield United somehow get a victory against Leicester and Arsenal therefore have that uh, fixture because you never know it might happen. Uh, but it is unlikely. But yeah, I wouldn't stress too much um, about trying to field eleven players because it, it, you know, it doesn't look like from this point it's going to be too big a game where you can, you know, I mean, there's no quality. There's not a lot of quality players that are looking to be featured in that blank game week. So I, I really wouldn't stress about it too much. But make sure you have the key players for that blank game. We can try and get about, I'd say, about nine. Yeah, I think I think Simon hit the nail on the head there. You know, just um, don't stress. Just um, take your time with your transfers. Monitor the market. Try and bring in those players that are going to be crucial in those game weeks. And we'll have a bit more of an idea as um, the cup matches continue to be played. But it looks like in the likes of, um, if you can try and, the first one and the first one you've got to really start thinking about now, I guess, is, is 31 and that's the blank game week. And if you try and ideally just, I think you really need just perhaps three Liverpool players. Walcott looks like someone who's going to be um, highly owned for that particular game week. And then and then that's about it really in terms of the, the main players, I guess. And uh, yeah, just um, once we know what the double game weeks are and we'll have more of an idea of who's playing who, if if you know that, like for instance, um, Arsenal have two really good fixtures, which is is a possibility, then um, start thinking about bringing in their players. But I think just 
as I suggested, you know, just just take your time, perhaps to see if you, even if see if you can start rolling transfers now, like you're planning on doing, Tom, and uh, just monitor monitor the news because we do have an international break coming up as well. Um, so it's always very useful to have um, extra transfers. So try try and avoid um, you know making rash transfers, like a lot of people seem to be doing with Arsenal players this particular game week. Um, and just um, yeah, I think it's a case of wait and see, and as we have more of an idea what's happening, um, make your moves based on that. Yep, I think broadly that's fine. Just to kind of give my final kind of point there, I think that you know you've got to balance quantity and quality, and you've got to make sure that you're not doing things like keeping players in who are doing nothing. So you mentioned a little while ago that I've got Chupé Moting. Chupé Moting, if he does continue to provide me with two pointers every week, he may be on the list to be removed, regardless of the fact he's got a blank. That, that shouldn't kind of keep him in my game weeks, so in my game, because week to week, that means I'm not competitive. And um, it's a case of making sure that you're making clever moves and then just to be sure that you can do that kind of... Uh, that, that triple transfer, maybe if you've got to take a minus eight, then maybe do that. Um, but just to make sure that you've got enough players to be competitive going forward. And as, as Simon says, don't stress, but maybe have some sort of plan for who you're going to be targeting in double game weeks when we get that information. Two weeks, from we've, once we've got that information, I'll be refreshing that article that I did this week just so that we can see the lie of the land. And I'll give kind of, at the moment, I'm still thinking that free hit is going to happen in 35. Um, but I'll see if it looks like I'm going to be transferring in a lot of chaff, um, then maybe I won't do that anymore. I do remember, actually, Tom, is uh, you had Rondon in your team for ages last season. That was purely because of the blanks, mostly, as well, wasn't it? Because West Brom were the only teams yeah. that had a blank. And I think oh. a lot of us tripled up and it was a bit of a rubbish blank in the end. Yeah, uh, Rondon's crazy. <laughs> don't, 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 don't bring that up ever again, please, Nick. <laughs> right. okay, let's, let's move on to the let's move on to the ending, guys. Um, so, so next week, let's talk about our teams. I am going to uh, do absolutely nothing. I'm going to go ahead with my absolutely god awful defence. Um, I've got Alonso and David David De Gea as the key men, and then I've got two positions filled by uh, Lewis Dunk away at Stoke. Could this be the week he finally scores? Probably not. It'd be a one pointer. And uh, I've, I'm I'm actually going to be playing Ogbonna consciously at home against Watford, so I'm expecting one pointers from both of them. Um, but I'll be captaining Sanchez probably for the final time. Um, I'm in 200k, and I think it's worth captaining him I think it's worth keeping him he did show a lot of intent and I was one penalty miss away from a decent game week so I said right at the top um, but this is probably the last week where I'm going to be ignore- ignoring Salah because obviously it's becoming a bit of a a bit of a joke that I haven't captained him anyway uh, so Simon what are you going to be doing next week quite boringly uh, I'm going to be doing the same as you doing absolutely nothing as well uh, but you know it's expected when I've just wildcard it'd be a bit <laughs> annoying for me to have to start changing things already when I've just played my wildcard so yeah it's set up very nicely and this could be this you know when my wildcard starts to reap rewards because my team on paper I've said this many times over the season it still doesn't seem to affect and have a positive effect on my how I do but my team on paper is very good for this week so yeah I'm, I'm optimistic going into this one but yeah I'm trying to manage expectations because as this year's has gone on it just doesn't seem to uh, yeah um, pay me anything positive so yeah I'm in terms of captaincy uh, yeah I've got Sanchez and the original plan was to captain him against Newcastle and for those that are considering Sanchez, um, he did have the most amount of goal attempts of any player uh, in the last game week. And uh, Newcastle are actually th- ranked third highest for conceding 
big chances over the last five game weeks. So that's uh, positive news. But in spite of that, you know, really at the root of it, we should really just be captain in the player we think is going to score the most points. And for me, that's Salah this week. And uh, so I'm going to, I want to give it Sanchez, but I've had it on Salah from the beginning. I'm not going to change it. So it's going to be Salah for me. Yeah, I'm the same. Actually, I'm going to be captaining Salah as well. So I think uh, he's got a great fixture against Southampton. Southampton have been pretty poor um, this season, haven't they? And for transfers, I will. I am tempted to roll it as well. It is a little bit boring, but you know, I'm also thinking about um, taking the minus four, um, perhaps, and it's a bit of a risk. Uh, but it, it kind of works together in terms of one big move. So I mean, I mean, these players are nothing but like a pair of scrubs to me, really. I'm thinking about transferring out Pogba and uh, John Joe Kenny and bringing in uh, Van Dijk and Walcott. So it's a little bit of early prep for the blanks, maybe. Uh, Pogba has Newcastle away, and you've, you've talked about how Newcastle. Um, are pretty poor in general, but I don't know. He, he obviously got dropped for the last game and he's been playing a deeper role as well since Sanchez, you know, came onto the scene. And um, I'm just a bit worried about his uh, points potential for the next, um, you know, three to five game weeks. And if he's uh, he, he's worth keeping in my team, Walcott, uh, transferring in Walcott frees up um, a fair bit of cash as well, which enables me to, um, to swap out Kenny, who's, Probably not going to be playing again this season. Now Seamus Coleman's back and now after a dreadful performance um, against Arsenal, he's just basically a perennial bench warmer now. Even though they've got Crystal Palace at home, I like the idea of upgrading to Van Dijk and um, you know, and getting that triple up on Liverpool sorted early. Yep, great. Thanks very much, Nick. Thanks very much, Simon. Uh, just to say there's a theme to each pod. Uh, last week it was Arrested Development, a loose seal. Um, Andy Goodland is back in the mix. So uh, well done, Andy. Just to reset who we are, we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us at whogotassist.com. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Uh, we've been joined today by Simon, uh, who is uh, at fplconnect.blog online and at fpl underscore connect on Twitter. And if you haven't joined our FPL league yet, our league code is 1538-17403 and we'll be back after the cup games in two weeks' time so we can discuss what the results mean for the running plans with more information. Yep, so uh, thanks for coming on today, Simon. It's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. I've, I've enjoyed my time on, on the pod. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll have you back again. Um, thanks very much, Nick, as always, and we hope this has assisted you. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.